Thank you to everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle thus far and has made it such a huge success. Crazy to think we're nearing the end of season two. In addition, thank you for all the kind words and support of the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. I hope it can continue to be beneficial as you push to be elite. General Sports Worldwide has continued to pick up steam in both the search and recruiting space, as well as the overall consulting space, which consists of sales and leadership training. We are only continuing to grow as we've just acquired the Clubhouse, an industry-leading job board, mentorship platform, mental health platform, and an extensive training portal. Please let us know if we can ever be of assistance and be sure to fill out a profile on the Clubhouse. Be sure to follow on 52weeksofhustle.com as well as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Many people in our industry dream of getting to the vice president chair. Imagine starting out your career with a company and growing into one VP role and then going to a completely different department and becoming the VP as well. Our next guest did just that, and I'm excited to have Eric Platt, vice president of global partnerships at the Atlanta Hawks. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. No, Eric, I'm uh, very excited to dive into your illustrious career, and you grow up in Saginaw, Michigan. Sports was always part of your life, but what did you think you really wanted to do when you grew up? Yeah, for, uh, you know, for a long time, I thought it was going to be journalism. So in high school, I loved to write. I had a great teacher, Miss Tarion, uh, and I started writing for the local uh, newspaper, Township Times, and I would cover JV, volleyball, softball, baseball, and basketball, travel around my little area, and uh, I loved it. But as you did some research, the, uh, the hours are tough, the compensation's not great, so quickly pivoted from there, and when I went to college, I, I really didn't know. I, I uh, uh, always wanted to help people some way, somehow, but wasn't smart enough to be a doctor, uh, so didn't really know too much, but journalism was probably that first love of uh, in my first toe in the water of getting into sports. And I know you and I have talked about that in the past. I did the same thing, you know, writing for the newspaper, even went to college for journalism, but you quickly realize a little bit of that competitive spirit where it's like, I can make a lot more money and you work the same hours. And so you go on to attend Michigan state university, which I know you're certainly a proud alum. You receive a degree in supply chain management from the Eli broad college of business and although the specialty was supply chain management, I know you took a wide array of business courses during school. So it was then graduation time. I know in talking to you, you had an opportunity to go work for a Fortune 500 company in a leadership program, which had great salary, great benefits, better hours in the sports industry. However, you took a chance, kind of that risk. You started out with the Atlanta Hawks, inside sales, 10 bucks an hour, no benefits. Like, why? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it also adds to that uh, eight-month contract. Yes, so, oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a uh, it was a huge risk. You know, I think it's a it was a mix of passion for sports. Uh, one of my big mentors, Dino and Agnes, 
uh, was a, a family friend of, of mine up in Saginaw. And I knew he at the time was working in Charlotte for the then Bobcats, uh, now Hornets. Um, and a little bit, probably immaturity where I really didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I was lucky enough to work for two amazing leaders and Sean Doss and Corey Breton at the time. And they recruited me down and, you know, I was 21, 22 at the time. So to me, it's like I had a 98 view of Bonneville and some clothes and an air mattress. And I just figured it out. So it out. And it was uh, June 4th. I left East Lansing, drove straight down 75 to Atlanta. And then got there the fifth, started work the seventh, and that was it'll be twelve years uh, in just a couple of months. So, so uh, the, the rest is history. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and you were a legend, right? You you left a little bit before I got there, and uh, you know you and Randy Wills, uh, who's now the senior director down with the Dolphins, were the two legends of our of, of the Atlanta Hawks, and we always compared ourselves and how hard you guys work. So. You guys uh, set the platform for us very well. No, no, I certainly appreciate that. And, you know, to that point, buddy, like, you know, one of the, the many attributes I've always respected of you is your willingness to, to take risk. You know, we talk a lot about in this business, think outside the box, be willing to do something that the person next to you isn't. And so what's your advice on listeners, regardless of their role, regardless of their tenure, the ability and the willingness to take risk? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's got to be calculated risk. Like risk of aggression, fine. Risk of stupidity or just on a whim or gut where you didn't do a pros and cons and, and uh, you know, get feedback from mentors. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of careless. But risk of with calculation, I think, is the only way you're really going to grow in, in the willingness to feel candidly stupid and uncomfortable. Right. You know, that's where the growth comes. I mean, you, you know, you, you wrote a book. Like that must have been tough and uncomfortable and you, you probably failed a lot. But uh, that went to your podcast and I'm sure your first episode versus whatever this is episode hundred is, uh, is a lot. You, you know, mentioned Corey Breton, who was actually the first guest ever on 52 weeks also. And him and I were just catching up a couple weeks ago and, you know, we were joking. It was like, it's gotten better, you know, cause that first one, it was like, I bet I just, you know, looking back and I have it's interrogation, 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 no <laughs> different than your first sales call and your first sales meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to your starting days, you start out as an entry level team member. You mentioned it's the eight month contract, eight months sink or swim. You have to prove yourself. What is something you know now that you wish you'd have known then that would have completely helped you and, and really got you started in this industry? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, eight month contract start in June. I go June, July, August, about a single sale. So three of the eight months, I'm at $0. So when people start in August, I'm tied at yep. zero. And I'm doing everything right. They're pumping me up. Hey, you got this. You got this. And then one day, I'll never forget it. Sean Doss sat across from me, banged out five, 10 calls. I just watched him just have conversations. It was yep. casual. It was talking to a friend. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can do that. And then I just took off. So it was it was like turning off that, like who I thought a salesperson needed to be or what they need to sound like or the questions they need to ask to just be authentically me. And that was a hundred percent. Thanks to Sean and watching him, uh, watching him work. I remember he, his first call, he set an appointment. I'm like, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> uh, so for me, it's just like, take a breath, be authentically you and, uh, you know, things will work out. Yeah, exactly. And it's a marathon is not a sprint. And you know, to your point, 
started off a little bit slow. Then you kind of hit the ground running. You, you found your niche. You found your opportunity. You quickly rose the ranks from inside sales to group sales. And then just after over two years of selling, you've received your first leadership opportunity. How did you know leadership was the right fit for you? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. It was two years of selling, but it was probably closer to 18 months because in my first two years, the Atlanta Thrashers uh, got sold and moved to Winnipeg. Yep. And then the NBA lockout happened. And that pushed the season back. I don't think we started until after Thanksgiving. And so I had a very short window uh, of actual sales. So, you know, for me, it was a very like binary question. And it was, hey, do you find more joy in helping somebody make a sale or making a sale yourself? And for me, it was like, oh yeah, definitely helping somebody, watching them succeed. And, and that was, that's when I, when I got asked that question, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's an easy one. And, um, and that's the question I've asked a lot too, to, to younger people who they think they want leadership. They think that's the path I got to go on. I want that title. But when they really get their hands dirty and see how the sausage gets made, they quickly realize, you know what, I'm probably better uh, in a sales role. And that's great. Like we, we need that. Okay. Uh, so. And that's the ongoing discussion, right? Do you want to be a manager or a leader? You know, manager is because you want that title. Leader is like, because you're still willing to roll up your sleeves, get after it. Now you're just helping show the vision. And, you know, you and I have, have talked a lot about leadership over the, over the years. And as you think about all the successful leaders you've been around, what do you feel like is the biggest difference between some of those okay leaders and then the great leaders? Um, I'll say this. I think they're, they both can be effective. Yep. Like at the end of the day, like getting the bottom line, hitting monthly goals, hitting annual goals. I think the great leaders, though, grow people beyond themselves. And so I think of the Corey Bretons of the world who takes people and is able to mold them, shape them, push them, hold them accountable. Um, he's that right level of a, of a jerk sometimes, which I love about him, to, yeah. to make you think in a contrarian thinker. But he is a people developer. Right. And so the fact that guys like Corey and yourself can grow others into leadership roles. I think that's the difference of a leader who gets numbers, but doesn't grow anyone. Um, so yeah. I've always said, you know, growing other leaders and, and uh, is, a, is a huge, huge thing for great leaders, but it's not easy to do either. Right. It's not easy. As you think back to your, your first time, you know, your first leadership role, and, and we're going to continue to dive into your, your additional leaderships. What is that one thing that you wish you would have known your first time into leadership? that you know now? Yeah. um, You got to meet people where they are. I think when I was an entry-level manager, I just saw it as, hey, I can say one thing and it works for all 15 people. And it's just not the case. You got to lead each person individually. Now, of course, some of the the, the fundamentals are the same. Some of the expectations are the same and and the cadence of meetings and one-on-ones, but you have to meet people where they are in their life, in their goals and their aspirations in the season of life they're in. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a huge change for me is, uh, you know, it can't be a puppet on a string, right? Where everyone does the same thing. Um, you got to meet people where they are, especially when you go from the entry-level manager side to the full-time manager side, when the age gaps are usually quite different. Instead right. of, you know, call it 22 to 26, it's probably 26 to 60, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you get into that role, you may be and a lot. A lot of times you are leading people that have been in business longer than you. You know, so you've got to be willing yeah. to, to that. I mean, my first hire ever was a 
a former NBA first round draft pick. And I'll never forget Corey's like, Hey, go meet your first hire. He's in the CNN center. I I just had no idea. And I looked up and he's a six, eight awesome guy. Cal Bowler's still friends with him. Uh, But you know, he was 10 years, my senior. And that was, you know, it was unique, but you know, as long as you can build trust, I think uh, you can get over the age gap quick. Yep, exactly. It's all about building that trust. And so in leadership with the Hawks, you go from the entry level manager to senior manager, group sales, to director of sales, senior director of sales, ultimately to the VP of sales. Would you have ever imagined back in 2010, you're, you're driving down 75, you start, you would have worked your way up within this organization this quick? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I really thought for a long time, you know what, go down to Atlanta, you know, crush it for a couple of years, pay off your student loans, and then you know, move back to Michigan and, and go be comfortable there with your friends and family. But, you know, I give a huge props to, to one of my biggest mentors now. And you know, I think he was on one of your shows is Kyle Brunson. Yep. He's a guy that he's like, as long as you produce, you take care of your job and you can consistently just take on a little bit more, like we'll find additional responsibility for you, but you have to do your current job well before you get your next job. And I think that's a lot of people get twisted. They're so worried about, I got to manage managers next. That's, that's my next step in my career. It's like, you can't, you can't even manage the people you have. So you're never going to manage a manager. Um, so it's just taking care of today. And uh, you know, again, shout out to the Hawks and mainly Kyle Brunson uh, for the trust, um, you know, to take some risks. And that's one of the things I've always said, you know, right. It's, it's people lead, you know, money and title and responsibility. They always follow and they'll quickly follow as you surround yourself with the right people. And, and, and Kyle, obviously, is, is a great friend of ours and, and a great mentor. Eric, what do you feel like you did on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted there within the organization? I think it was my probably my willingness to take on more responsibility, more projects without the expectation of comp title recognition. Um, I was always pretty quick to raise my hand and take on some messy projects. And, uh, and I think after a while, like, oh, like we can give him something. He's dependable. He's going to get it done. And then that just kind of builds your kind of internal brand. And then, you know, more responsibility comes your way. So I was never worried about that next step. It's like, all right, like, you know, win today, take on more and, and, you know, successful follow. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Eric Platt, Vice President of Global Partnerships with the Atlanta Hawks. And 
Eric, as you're growing your leadership career, specifically as you get into the chair of leading individuals, like we've talked about them, been in business longer than you, but also leather leaders, what is your advice from being able to lead different personalities? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely tough at times. You know, I, I myself are probably scale more introverted, but I can, I can turn it on if needed. I think it's really understanding like what people's, uh, you know, natural disposition are. Um, we do a lot with disc profiles and there's a million different ones out there, but it's understanding like how people communicate, how people like to receive feedback, receive recognition, um, you know, asking for permission to give them coaching at times, I think is huge, but we said it early, it all starts with trust yep. and learn about who they are, their family, their friends, their, their pets, uh, their hobbies, how they like to decompress, um, you know, and, and I always try to start my one-on-ones like, hey, forget about work. Like, how's your mental? How's your physical health? How's your family? How are you? Um, and then we start getting to work. But you got to build that trust first. And it's got to be authentic. And, and you have to reciprocate as well. Right. I, I, I'm trying to get better at sharing, you know, my family and how I'm doing with my uh, people and, I work with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another big thing that I've always respected to you is, is that continuous learning. And we, we've talked about how important that is in our industry. And on one end is, is the mentorship. So why do you feel like having maybe not just one, but multiple mentors is so crucial to being successful in this industry? Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, Travis, you're a guy that I've always felt as a mentor since we met back in, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh at a, a sales combine. Um, back in the day, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think... Uh, I think it's good to have multiple mentors in different seasons of life. And so you want to have somebody that is a, I said, a contrarian thinker, right? And that for me is a guy like John Adler at the Atlanta Hawks, who's extremely smart, but always thinks and does stuff differently. You want somebody who's probably a step or two ahead of where you're at. And you can kind of guide them. You want probably a senior executive that has done there, been that is kind of in the twilight of the career, but will want to give back. Um, so I think just having different people in different seasons of life who think differently than you that are willing to challenge you and not just be a, a yes man or a yes woman is, is really important. You know, along those lines of continuous learning, you, you not only do a tremendous job of connecting with mentors and industry leaders, but I know you also do a great job. We, we share a lot of these is, is reading and reading consistently. Why is reading so important to you and, and your advice to listeners on that? Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, again, hate to say Corey had Corey really pushed everybody back in the day. And it's just about the idea. If you think about like your life growing up, you know, elementary school, you're learning shapes and arithmetic, uh, middle school, let's just forget about it. It was awkward for everybody. Uh, High school, you know, history, literature, math, whatever it might be. You get to college, you find your, your major, you study it. Then you graduate and you're 21, 22 years old. And I think that's like the point of differentiation when so many people are like, you know what? I've been in school since I was about five years old. I'm good. I, I know enough. I'm just going to do my job and do it well. And then the other people who just lean in and they figure out topics that they're actually interested in that they can self-select versus being forced to study. And, you know, Corey just said like one book a month, like we busted up 250 pages you read a page a minute, like it's not that much time to read a book a month. It's 10 minutes a day. Right. And if you can't find 10 minutes a day for self-improvement, like you also can't be the, the guy or guy who's complaining that you're not having career growth uh, right. because you're not investing in yourself. 
Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Are you willing to invest in yourself? And, you know, I think we saw a lot of that through the pandemic. You, you saw people that were taking the pandemic kind of seriously from a professional and are they willing to invest in themselves? Are they using some of that extra time to read, to reach out to mentors and be ready to take full advantage? And so everybody that, that, that knows me and, you know, listen to this podcast, I, I love numbers. So what are three books you'd recommend every listener? Ooh, uh, I'll try to like, I would say, um, Adam Grant's anything by Adam Grant's awesome, but his book think again was fantastic. Uh, I've always loved Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one. And then Sean Aker's happiness advantage, you know, that kind of hits three different, yeah. uh, genre or sorry, topics, if you will. And those are good. Um, you know, ego is the enemy, obstacles are way. Anything by Ryan Holiday is fantastic. But, uh, and then Daniel Pink is another favorite author, but um, probably anywhere in there would be, uh, would be a good place to start. And then I always highly recommend people to check out the app Goodreads. Yep. Super simple for tracking books, not only that you've read, but you want to read. Right. So that when you're going on Amazon and you're buying Travis's book, you're buying 10 books at a time, you can just go through that, that app and, and, you know, buy 10 at a time and, and just rock it from there. And the cool thing is, you know, both both you and I are on Goodreads. We follow each other to see which books we're, we're reading or, or have read in the past. And what I think I loved about that that question and ultimately that answer, Eric, is that not one of those books was like sales X's and O's, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like it, to be a successful leader and to continue your career. You know, I, I know when when Corey, the same way, started me getting reading, it was how to be a rainmaker. It was all about, you know, reading on the, the sales X's and O's where now every book I'm reading is a lot more bigger. And bigger thinking and you know even if it's the just being a good person and how that's going to help you and so you know as, as we think about that you, you've obviously continued on your career Eric, and, and after two and a half years of the vp of ticket sales you get you get approached and said what about the opportunity to move to global partnerships you know on the sponsorship side why'd you feel like that was the right opportunity for you yeah that was a that was a covid reflecting decision for sure Again, I have to give a ton of credit to, you know, the Atlanta Hawks and uh, Kyle Brunson and uh, Steve Kuhn and Andrew Saltzman for, for the opportunity. It was just one of those decisions where I was just thinking, all right, the, the career path that I'm on versus where I want to go. So the career path that I was on, I was in an amazing role, had uh, great responsibility. We had an amazing team. We have an amazing culture. And I could have easily just, you know, stayed and rocked it and had a great career. But I kept thinking, all right, in 10 years from now, right? So in 10 years, I'll be 44. Where do I want to be and what skills do I need to know to get there? And the more I networked with, you know, executives in our, in our world, they kept saying, hey, if you want to be a CRO, a chief commercial officer, perhaps a president of a team, you have to know both sides of revenue. Yep. And so I knew the ticketing side, but I didn't know anything about partnerships, um, so Michael Drake, who's our, uh, SVP of global partnerships, uh, a great mentor for me, approached me, told me about the opportunity, how the onboarding process would work and the responsibility. And while, uh, while the staff size is a third of the ticketing side, um, it was just one of those opportunities that I just couldn't pass up. So, uh, it was almost exactly a year today that I made the move and it's been, a been a journey for sure and yep. been a lot of fun and, and definitely learned a lot. You know, so as you think about that, and I think one of the, the easiest questions to ask is, what do you feel like are some of the biggest, you know, similarities and differences between that ticketing landscape and the sponsorship landscape? Yeah, I mean, similarities, I mean, it's still people business. Yep. 
I mean, at the end of the day, you're selling either the, the B2C, B2B, still people business. It's still about internal relationships, right? We say a lot, internal relationships are greater than external relationships. So you have to uh, have great working relationships with your friends in marketing and analytics and the building ops, game ops, basketball ops. Um, so none of that change. And it's still sales. Yep. I mean, you're still selling. It's just you're selling you know, different products. And then the difference is, is probably just the volume. Yep. You know, we've, we're going to have probably at 98% capacity for the Atlanta Hawks this year, 10,000, over 10,000 season ticket holders, you know, averaging over 16,000 people a game, um, you know, fifth busiest concert venue for ticket sales in the entire world, yep. you know, waiting list for all of our premium products right now. So, you know, Kyle and his team are just crushing it. And then, you know, you go to partnerships, you know, we have 52 partners, right? It's just, it's just drastically different. Um, but these fully integrated marketing packages take a lot of bandwidth and a lot of human capital to execute. And so that's a lot different. And then like who you're selling to, right? In ticketing, it's B2B and B2C. In partnerships, it's strictly B2B. Strictly, yep. Now it could be B2B, B2C, right? You're trying to sell ultimately to a, uh, a consumer through the, uh, the brand that you're working with. But that's just, that's just a little different. But, you know, at the end of the day, still a people business and still sales. So people, X's and O's. And so I guess advice for listeners, Eric, they're thinking about, they're sitting in the chair, maybe they're in sales right now, or, or they want to get into sponsorship one day. What would you encourage them to do now to be completely ready for that transition? Yeah, I think first things first is just network internally, like super obvious, but if you're sitting there and you're in the premium clubs department or premium uh, suites department on the sales or service side, like, you know, walk down to the partnerships team and, and ask, a, you know, ask a colleague out to lunch, a coffee, grab a drink and just learn what they do. And then from there, find opportunities to shadow, find opportunities to, to shadow them during a game, see how the script works or sit on a call with the prospective client. Um, and then once you learn more about the opportunity, like, you know, ask, right. tell your boss, like it's, it's okay to ask for, uh, for internal career mobility, which I think the Hawks do a great job of and, you know, see if you can make a move. And I think also like, it's not just sales in, in develop in partnerships. We also have a great activation team an award-winning activation team that takes our contracts and make it happen. Yeah. We have a development team who they're the strategy arm and they help us facilitate conversations internally that if, you know, a brand wants to do something, we help, we help uh, make sure we can actually execute it internally and then obviously get it out the door. So um, there's more than just sales and partnerships too. And I think some people just uh, have to get more exposed to it to understand how it all works. Yeah. Like any organization, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of collaboration and communication. And you know, Eric, you, speaking of the Hawks, crazy to believe you're getting ready to, to cross over your 12th year in the business, all within the Atlanta Hawks organization. What do you feel like the Hawks organization has done on a consistent basis to continue to retain top me top team members like yourself? I think the first and foremost is that there is a, a genuine culture of improvement and listening to everybody. Like the best ideas can come from anybody and anywhere. And so the one thing that we say a lot to everybody is like, hey, the best ideas do not come from, you know, the leadership team. The best ideas come from the people on the front lines yep. and it's leadership's job to listen, have a culture that fosters uh, <laughs> the willingness to listen to 
crazy ideas or what's going wrong in the department and then implement. Yep. So one thing we've done for a long time is uh, anonymous start, stop, continues. So completely anonymous, you, uh, you submit it to an, a third party uh, and they, they compile everything. But it's what should our department stop doing, start doing, and continue to do. And then what we instruct our leaders is actually read those, you know, unabridged to the staff and then find ways to execute on some of those ideas. Yep. And that's something that we've been trying to do, you know, on a biannual basis. And it's crazy some of the easy wins you can get by doing that. Right. And it's something I've been trying to do for a long time. Certainly the little things. Well, I know, you know, starting my career and growing up in the Hawks organization, the culture, in my opinion, is one of the best and it still is one of the best. And I know culture is a huge, uh, very important for you. And you've talked about it on here. Why is it so important for, for you and for leaders to focus on culture? Yeah, I think when you look at like how many hours you spend at work versus your family, your friends alone, um, it's a big chunk of our day. And if you're at a place where the culture is toxic or there's not that psychological safety, it's going to be hard to, uh, to get the best out of people. Um, and, you know, culture is such a buzzy word. There's a million different ways to do it. But for me, I think it's pretty simple. It's number one, it's empowerment. It's trusting your people. It's letting them make decisions. It's, uh, it's giving them the reins. And then you're just putting up guardrails to make sure that, uh, that everything stays on track. Um, it's listening. It's hearing what do they need, what roadblocks are in their way, and then getting stuff out of the way. And then it's celebration and recognition. Like this job is, is tough. Yep. But finding ways to celebrate, recognize, and appreciate those who are, who are doing great work um, are all pieces of culture that I think are easy to implement, but are so often forgotten because we're so worried about the bottom line, that next sale, that next deal, that just take a step back and, and really uh, see what's going on. What is the pulse of the culture? Um, and elicit that feedback. And then again, the leader's job is to implement. Yep, yep exactly. Well, swinging it back to, to leadership, you know, the Hawks, and you've always done a great job of building a great coaching culture and providing that blueprint for successful sellers to become leaders. Both you and I went through that similar process and program, you know, there at the Hawks. What do you feel like all goes into that, you know, kind of that leadership and training program? Yeah, so uh, we've been doing it for a long time, uh, 12-week session called our Leadership Pod. And we basically take, you know, probably – six to eight of our uh, senior level sellers. So um, at least two years of full-time experience, track record of, you know, good effort, good revenue. And uh, they can opt into our leadership development program. And it's a, an immersive experience. It's not just one of those things. We just sit there and read articles and read books and, uh, you know, be a professor about it. We actually assign some of our entry-level salespeople to the senior level reps and they host uh, meetings. So every Tuesday, they have a pod session. Thursday, they actually run a training um, to really get the feel of what it's like to be a leader. They host one-on-ones. They do a night call session. They do a speaker series. Um, and then, you know, at the end of it, what's crazy, Travis, is hypothetically, we have eight people in our pod program. Majority of the time, about 75% of them realize that leadership is not for them. Right. And that's okay. And like, yeah, what a win for the organization, right? You didn't make a bad hire. You didn't make a bad mistake. And you can put focus for that person who chose leadership is not for them into where they want to focus. And then as a leadership team, we lean into the one, two, or three people who are interested in leadership. 
And we put them through a 2.0 program where they're building their playbook and it's a 20 week program. So by the time a spot opens either with us Atlanta Hawks or externally, we have a pipeline and we haven't had to, uh, you know, hire an external entry level sales manager since I think Sean Doss in 2009. Um, And that's just a testament of the, the culture and the training development that the Hawks have had. And I've been lucky to be a small piece of that um, during my time at Tiffany. No, that's awesome. Well, Eric, what a great career you've had. Clearly, you've enjoyed the journey and, and loved hearing about and all your advice. As you look back at your entire career, what's been your best memory? Best memory was probably getting promoted uh, out of entry-level sales. Yep. It was just such a tough journey and getting my teeth kicked in. So uh, I don't remember when it was. I think it was November of 2010 or maybe a little later. But that, that just feeling of it, all right. Like, yeah. And the cool thing about Centennial Tower, right? Inside sales was 18. You got to go yeah. up to the 19th floor. Like, yeah, absolutely. Felt a little different. So that was definitely one of the prouder moments, uh, no doubt. Um, just Because once you, once you have that graduation, if you will, you can plant some roots. Right. You know, you're going to be in for a while. It's finally over. Yeah. You're not, you're not moving back to, back to Michigan with your tail between your legs because you didn't make it. So, um that, that was that was easily mine. And uh, yeah, it's been a, been a heck of a journey. Awesome. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate your sharing your story and your expertise. To close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. If you could travel to one place in the world for a week, where would it be? Uh, Paris, France with my wife. We have just great memories there. Had a great trip a long time ago and uh, dying to go back. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Just to avoid being like a, 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 a an overweight guy, I guess I do like a, something somewhat healthy. It's maybe like a a yogurt and granola combination. I, that's always a good filling meal. That's not too bad for you. <laughs> what is the last thing you completed on your bucket list? I guess I got to work on that. I, uh, I ran a half marathon a couple of years ago and that was grueling and impossible. Uh, so I guess I'd say that. All right. All right. To close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, number one, win the day. Stop worrying about what's next or where you're going to go, what your colleagues are doing or what they're posting on social media. Like none of that matters. Like as long as you win the day, success will follow. Uh, two, like, Ego is the enemy. Like it's okay to feel stupid or uncomfortable or, uh, or asking, you know, the, the dumb question, if you will, like, it's fine. Like that means you're growing and that's all right. Um, and number three, like invest in yourself. Like it's simple, but you know, taking time to listen to a podcast, audiobook, read a book, like meditate, whatever it might be for you, like invest in yourself and, uh, you know, success will come. Awesome. Ton of great advice. You know, winning the day, right? Every single day, you're just dominating, winning your day. I love the, the, the slogan there. Ego is the enemy. And, and finally, you know, we talked about this. Continue to invest in yourself. Continue to push to be elite. And so, Eric, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time, your expertise, and certainly our friendship. Yeah, man. Uh, Travis, congrats to you, all your success. And uh, thanks for having me on. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.